from Amman? My family is from Amman, yeah. originally from Beit Lehem. Yeah, apparently there is one of the, there is the house of me. Exactly, house of me. Say the house of me. And I have one of the largest families over there, but I don't know anybody there. Yeah, I've never met, never met my, my mom's family in Palestine. I've only met the ones that are here. So, so I'm going for a child of two weeks. I'm going to meet all of them. Straight Palestine, two weeks? Oh, Because no. I've only ever been to Gaza. Oh. It's my first time going to Gaza. In Gaza? No, I'm going to Dhaka and I'm going to Jerusalem. Wait, Gaza blockade. How do you. They allow people in and out? Uh, no. You go through tunnels, you go through, sneak in. Damn, but back then, the last time, last time I went to Gaza, it was still open. It was before. The blockade had just started, and you could still get in through Egypt. Uh-huh. It was before Egypt closed the border. All right, boys, we're live. Good to see you guys. Salam alaikum. All right, guys. So you ready, Buffins? Yeah, I'm just Arsenal lost. No, you're fine. So, I wanted to, to have a discussion. I told you guys beforehand, obviously, about Islamic schools. This is actually, I had the idea, and then a brother, a local board member said that he was looking for a survey of Islamic school performance in Tampa Bay. So he was wanting to know, did we do a good job? What's our current status? And who better to ask than guys that have gone to Islamic schools most of their lives? So whoever wants to kick it off, just say frankly what your experience has been like, whether it was high school, middle school, or even just one year. Whoever wants to. Well, I can begin. Okay. Should I look at you or should I? No, it just, just, just looks like it's a normal combination. Okay. So, I have, a, I think, a pretty unique view of Islamic schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Islamic school as a child until, like, second grade. So, until 2001, basically. Okay. We all know why. <laughs> and then I went to public school, and my parents never explained why we made that switch halfway through a year. Mm. Uh, both of my parents were also board members and teachers at the Islamic school. Like, my dad, like, three or four years after... IAF's inception. My mom joined. You know, we had kids that were going to school age because she was a teacher. Yeah. And now my mom also works as a principal at an Islamic school. So I went to public school my whole life basically until high school, and then my parents asked me if I wanted to go to Islamic school. Yeah. And I said, Yeah, I would like to go to Islamic school because I felt like I was missing basically all of my Islamic education. Yeah. Um, and also wasn't really friends with a lot, of good, <laughs> a lot of good people. So it was a choice, and then it, I was not prepared for what the ramifications of that choice was going to be. Like I really felt like I was different than a lot of people for a very long time. That being said, I wouldn't change anything because I think it was probably the most essential thing I've done for myself, mm-hmm. being able to have a baseline of Islam. Um, and not just education, because I had the education the whole time. It was the practice and being around other people who were practicing that I was missing. And I think gave me like a very strong framework to work uh, to, for the rest of my life um, after that. But I will say, I think that a lot of Islamic schools around the country do do a great job with education. Like the curriculum is really good. A lot of the times you see like, you know, there's top performing kids in the country a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, what I think they don't do a good job of is preparing you for college for real. Mm. Um, so overall positive experience. Overall positive, like a nine out of ten. Got it. Okay. Got it. I was gonna say. I mean, I had an experience where maybe until about three years ago, I thought everything was great about my experience at Islamic schools. 
And then I realized like I kind of broke out of the shell a little bit and I graduated and I just started working and working and talking to different people. But I just can't help but realize how similar and lack of diversity there is um, like for kids to do whatever they want after high school. You know, there's no really encouragement for like arts or something. It's like mm. almost taken as a joke. Even like athletic programs. I mean, he's an athlete. Like he's yes. ran, and I think you, you run, right? Cross country track and field. Cross country track and field. There you go. Well, and he was good program. too. And you could yeah. have never done that at a summer school, right? Well, they no, had, I was. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Quick yeah. was, was the guy. Here, yeah, brother Jeff. I know he did. He used to just run around the, the entire school. Yeah. But you went to public school to go compete, though, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, the same thing happened to me. I mean, like, I had an opportunity where, okay, so at the time, UAF, Universal Academy of Florida, mm-hmm. um, basically had a soccer team, but it was like a soccer team that was just kind of like, we were scheduling calling schools and then setting up games. They weren't part of a league that could lead okay. to anything. It wasn't part of the FHSAA program, whatever. I don't know what that stands for. Florida High School Student Athletic Association. Yes. Mm, okay, okay. Wow, now I do know what it is. So at that point, so if your school doesn't is not registered with an FHSAA, you are eligible to play for any other school within your county as long as your school like, doesn't have that specific program mm-hmm. at your school. So at this point, I was being recruited by other colleges or by, by other high schoolers, uh, high school coaches, and one coach told me, hey, like, come play with me. So I told him, okay, I can't, but he told me about the rules. So I ended up like showing up to practice, showing up, showing up. The word spread to like, the athletic director and principal at my school, and then they kind of put me in a position. Um, and I don't really remember. I mean, I, my mom, my my mom was totally okay with taking me to practices there after school and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but she was never okay with me switching. Okay. You know. So, so that was one thing. I'm okay with that, but. Um, the thing is, the school put me in a position. They said, if you're gonna play with them, you have to go to this school. And if you, you have, to, if you're gonna play with us, then you have to stop playing with us. You shouldn't be here with us. And but your mom didn't want you to leave an Islamic school. My mom didn't want me to leave an Islamic school. I mean, I was being like, it was a small scale. Like, it honestly, could have played 100% D1. I was being invited over to like countries in. Europe for like sure. tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah, and I mean, there's obviously bigger people that were better than me, but the whole point is that you could set up a path. Yeah, you never right. got to even try the opportunity. Exactly, but I do think now on the other side of the coin, like it takes people like us to kind of push. Wait, there are people that want to run. There are people that want right. to do X, Y, and Z, and then slowly it kind of starts to happen. Now UAF is like making the winning trophies. Like, they're going, they're winning their division, they're going to state championships. Yeah, I mean, look at the facility here. They're actually investing in athletics. In athletics. Like, that building's amazing. Yeah. I think actually because of that, like, within the next, I think, 15, 20 years, you're going to see a lot more Arab people within the scene. I think people, like the Arab community, sorry, I didn't mean to no, sway like, away from the topic. No, this is and me. he didn't give his side of the story. No, exactly. Yeah, no. Okay. No, we got all night. Okay, so... <laughs> I think within the next like 15, 20 years, I think the Arab community is going to have a big explosion. Like, kind of like how, like, uh, that's how, huh? Oh, no, he's, he's referring to the fact that our immigrant community is still like in the incubator. Yeah. And it's still going to 
we're still going to see the fruits of our efforts. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, like the Italians, like the Irish. Yeah, and I, I, I see it now more. Um, I mean, you see. I mean, look at the daisies. Mm, the daisies. The daisies. The daisies. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> offensive, probably. Like but the daisy community, the blacks, like <laughs> the daisy community. You know, yeah. generally speaking, have they've been okay with like a, a lot of the people our age and a little bit older and even younger have put that emphasis on the arts programs arts in general, going out and doing things that they like. And look, I mean, Riz Ahmed won a, an Oscar yes. last two weeks ago, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like, he's at the pinnacle of that. I mean, we're, we're really not caught up to that. I mean, there's Daisy rappers that are mainstream now, mm -hmm. he's one of them, you know? There are Daisy movie stars, producers, writers, musicians, artists, all, all over. Um, unless we invest in those programs, or at least give people the opportunity and stop shutting it down yeah we're, we're going to be left behind in that in that regard i mean yeah no, for uh, sure there's a, another specific example if i can yeah go, go ahead, ahead absolutely like the muslim interscholastic tournament which i was part of as a volunteer for a long time missed missed okay yeah. yeah so across the nation there are you know several i think over a dozen um chapters of it in, in several different states including florida all over uh the u.s and then also now in england and in canada um and you go to those kinds of events, it's for high school kids. Like it's an interscholastic tournament, so they have arts competitions, they have put on competitions, they have sports competitions, writing, um, speaking, yeah. acting, improv, all sorts of stuff. It's like over 35 competitions they have. You go to those events and it's like 15% Arab. Mm. And the rest of it is pretty much Daisy. I would say 15% Arab and other. And then probably the rest, 85% Daisy. Mm -hmm. And when you see that, and I don't think there's a problem with that. Yeah. But when you see that, you, it's very easy to understand. It's like, okay, like we're still not there. Yeah. And we're not going to be for a while. Um, and how many of the schools are participating? Like AYA and UAF are the two top teams in Florida like all the time. But it's also, like, I don't know. It just feels weird when you go to an event like that and you're used to seeing such an eclectic mix, and then you stop seeing that. Um, it's a little bit, I think, off-putting off for a lot of people. That's interesting. I actually never participated in any international or national event like this or something. I, was, I always assumed it was a good mix of all the ethnicity. No, there's a good mix. Yeah. But when you really peel it back and you look at, you look at the, the breakdown, I would say now it's probably a little bit better, but there are entire missed regions where maybe like, not like, like a dozen Arab people in the mm. whole thing. Like, it happens. Yeah. And, it's sad to see because, yes, we're all Muslim. It's more important that Muslims are get the light shined on them in this regard, right? But there's also representation on an ethnic, on an ethnic and socioeconomic level that you want to be able to see. Um, and unless we catch up, we're not going to see that. And then Arab kids, my Arab kids, are not going to feel like they can be the next Prince Ahmed. Yeah, you know. I hear you. So for you, though, overall. Somewhat positive, or where would you put yourself? Um, I, I think you can be I honest. Have, you can yeah, be honest. I think I had a judgment. positive experience. Okay, but maybe not a nine. Probably not a nine. I mean, I like I definitely had a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, but like now that I think about like in order of the facilities that were available, I yeah. would have said like they brought it down and made it less. Okay. But, and that's okay too. That's yeah, why. yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? That's why. That's good. You guys are pretty positive so that when, when I share something, it might seem 
Maybe yeah. on the negative side. But you go ahead, Devon. You can share your view. My experience was uh, it was pretty good. I mean, uh, um, I started since uh, I was in kindergarten uh, when Samir Aryan was principal, um, and then uh, I saw we see it basically grow as to what it is now with this big facility right here. Um, I feel like they kind of the kids nowadays have that luxury. Yeah. Of, Having an auditorium and a basketball court. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had like a trailer. And stuff <laughs> like Alhamdulillah, I feel like it's an investment. Like I told you before, it's an investment, and I never kind of understood it till later on. Um, yeah, I went to public school after Aya, and I kind of like my experience from that. I just it was kind of negative, and I want to always go back to uh, to Islam because I kind of lost my my way. And I feel like now nowadays a lot of kids, a lot of American kids, Muslim American kids, go to public school, and um, they just kind of lose lose Islam. Mm. And so I was in that same scenario. I was at Aya, brother in Sharaq, mashallah, he taught me, you know, the bare basics. And later on, I kind of like lost that foundation, and now I'm kind of like trying to trace back to it. So, but but you told me I think before that you said you didn't feel that you were very well educated in the Islamic sciences, right? You feel like they missed that part? Is mm -hmm. that the case? Yeah, yeah, they definitely okay. did. And um, now I'm trying to, like I said, just build the foundation back again. And mm -hmm. inshallah, try to like um, teach my kids. I'm, I'm looking in the future, you know, how am I going to be able to teach my kids down the road yeah. um, and pass it on. Bro, you're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the academic side. How about that? Was that okay, you think? Yeah, I definitely think uh, that's much tougher than uh, in public school. Mm -hmm. um, it's not multiple choice like it is in public school, plus uh, some of it's online in public school, and you can kind of like cheat your way here. No, you have to be here uh, in person. You have to actually study. Yeah. I think they do a very good job of doing that. I hear you. The one thing that I always have over when I talk to like random people, uh -huh. um, always and you probably might be like know the same with this experience is that it definitely feels like i grew up in a community rather than just like some random kid in a public school yeah, yeah i mean like i said i didn't go to public school my I, I went to public school my whole life i came to uaf halfway through ninth grade mm. so i met buffin in eighth grade at the masjid we weren't really friends okay i came in the next year and we've been friends for 15 years. As most people are when they first meet. <laughs> Wait, what did I say? You said you we weren't really friends. No, after that. After I oh, met okay, you the first okay, time. Okay. Yeah. But when I went, like, everyone I was friends, not everyone I was friends with, but, like, everyone who is, a lot of people. who is part of my immediate friend group, the people I would say I'm closest to, are all people that I went to Islamic school with. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and there's something to be said about, like, yesterday I went to an Iftada with a kid that I went to IAF with. He invited me. So that's someone yeah. I've known for 23 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's insane. You don't get that in public school. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I would say it does give you an option to have people who you can be around all the time who yeah. you can kind of trust. Like, I know I've been around this person my entire life. And I know they have their boundaries and I have my boundaries and those will never get crossed. Yeah. And if they do, it's very easy to solve those issues. I mean, I think that that's... That's the biggest plus for me, mm -hmm. was the fact that like I'm still friends with these people. That's insane. Like, yeah. Most people don't really keep their friends <laughs> after high school. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, going back to like the whole thing, I think that was a huge thing for me in the time of school. I felt like the program, the actual Islamic content that we were like learning was left. Was like it was nothing. It wasn't. It had no format. It wasn't um, like it. Like there was no. It wasn't rigorous in any way. It, every like grade, you felt like you were just restarting. It's like you're just it, like doing a whole new class from the beginning. Just yeah. just just learn about battle of Bedouin off of their game. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. Like the, those two things, and then, and then get the question wrong, and, and then still the trivia. Like twenty years later, like, <laughs> I can't yeah. like some of the stuff I don't even remember. Like you yeah. know, what I mean, I know the names and stuff like that, but um, it's also my responsibility to do it on their side but like you know if you're going to an assignment school and you're paying for stuff like that um then i think you know that should be a, a priority i mean that's the whole reason why people send to schools to our students or kids to private schools like they pay that extra money to pay for it like you know to right. get that service um and then they expect you the kids and like you to raise their kids yeah also well, like you think that like any catholic school they're gonna place a large focus on whatever the, the religion even if you're not of that religion like there yeah. are muslim kids who go to catholic schools and they still have to do bible study they still mm -hmm. got to right. do the services and all that um and i feel like we're kind of like a lot of islamic schools kind of shy away from that mm. you know what i mean like oh no we don't want to offend anybody you don't have to pray you don't you was called the uaf warriors uh -huh. like when i first went to school we were the uaf warriors that was the most boss name ever Bro, like, what? I mean, it's like sick. People are like uh -huh. the Crusaders. They change it. Thing. Like, imagine we're playing Tampa Catholic Crusaders in mm -hmm. soccer, and we can't be called the Warriors. They like, changed it to the Falcons. Why shy away from being strong? Like, yeah. we have this this whole thing, and I think obviously because of the whole like nine eleven and everything, mm -hmm. like people were so afraid and everything, so calm. No, that's interesting. Um, but it seems like you guys still had overall positive. Are you also overall positive? View in terms of a view of Islamic schools. Yeah. Okay. I haven't. I haven't always had a positive experience. I don't think I always looked at it as a positive experience. The first two years I was in the Islamic school, like ninth and tenth grade, I did not enjoy it. I was forcing myself to stay because I wanted to you know, get over that hump. But there's a couple things that are just like it doesn't make sense the way they do things. Yeah. Um, like really strict on dress code, not strict on person. Yeah. Things like that. Like, it doesn't make sense. And I didn't really enjoy it because I didn't feel like I had, like, I was uh, part of the community yet. Mm. But once that, I got over that, I mean, it was great. But my biggest gripe with, with Islamic school was I really don't, like, what he, echo what he said earlier, is I don't think they told us we have options. You know, everyone out of the 25 people in my graduating class, when we went to USF, like, half of us went to USF, the other half went to HCC. Mm. Okay. And then went to USF. One person from our <laughs> class went. One person from our class went out of state uh -huh. to a different college. Only one. Okay. What kind of diversity is that going to be? Even yeah. worse than that, out of the twenty people, let's say that went to USF, fifteen of them did biomed. <laughs> I I did biomed. And then yeah, yeah. five of us. Five of us did business. Yeah. Okay. Because there's a push from the parents. Yeah. Not just that. There's a push from each other. That it, it leaks into, it like, does. I remember somebody literally telling me, it's like, listen, bro, I can't hang out as much as you guys. Like, we actually have work to do. I mean, he's mm -hmm. not wrong. Like, if, yeah, yeah, if that's what he wants to do. You're, sure, you're, you're, not, you're not wrong, but, like, you're almost bullied into having to go into something more 
Yeah, like rigorous, like medicine. Yeah, or whatever. it's probably because they're bullied. They're bullied. Yeah, that. for sure. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's so just if we continue eating our young, we're all just going to be doctors, and it's going to be wonderful. Right. We're going to have beautiful facilities, but it's going to be meaningless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about that. I remember how right, about I Palestine? Yeah. How there needs to be more of a diversity. Yeah, yeah, I think you know you brought up a good point in that there's no diversity of thought. Mm-hmm. Everybody's being pigeonholed, or pigeonholed into one thing. These uh, kids. Are are don't have that though. like now. Yeah, that's good. But they hide it. They do hide it. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, but um, I don't think they can express it because these kids are smart now. They see TikTok. They see all these yeah, yeah, yeah. They're at a point now, like two separate. They worlds. live in two separate yep. separate worlds. Like what's happening in their heads and what they want, and it's totally different from what their yeah. parents are seeing. But we mm-hmm. didn't have we didn't have the audacity to do that. And I say audacity is a good thing in this regard. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> no, 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 for I sure. The audacity is a good thing. Yeah, 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 for sure. Absolutely. I think that uh, it's starting to change now. Because back then, if I think back to, to my experience in the Islamic schools, I don't remember anyone ever telling me that there was a different career path than some some form of engineering or, or a doctor or a dentist. And then as you go, because I went to public school starting in eighth grade and finished high school in public school, that's when I started le- learning about different programs and becoming like a social worker or you know just random stuff across the board that they would bring us they would, they would, they would showcase people with their jobs i heard this is happening now so it, it might be a new thing that changed but i still think it's overwhelmingly positive for you three yeah i'll be honest for, for me i still think islamic schools have been good but i wouldn't give them a nine or eight or seven so what'd you give them i think i'd give them a six why i'll tell you why because um i think it's still good to be in an islamic school because I went to a public school and I know what that's like. Not to say it's terribly bad. I think going to public school in high school is probably sometimes a good idea, depending on your options. Uh, but especially a good idea if you're in elementary school because of the BS and whatnot you're, that you're hammered with. Um, but I think, in my experience, and you guys tell me if this is what you saw too. Man, I still have something that happened to me that I swear to God, when I think about it, it gives me PTSD. Well, I, like, um, I was in second grade. <laughs> I'm serious. I was in second grade. I'm six years old, and I'm not gonna mention her name because she's probably still around. Mm. But this woman put me through hell. A lie. I came she in. From where you're from? No, she's Egyptian. That she, name's about. She. She. <laughs> she <laughs> I'm trying to expose this She will lie. She one time, and this is we're learning cursive in second grade, and I'm learning my cursive, and I wrote down my first cursive assignment. I'm just a kid, right? And I go up to her, and I'm like, uh, I'm going to change her name. Uh, just give me a random Arab name. Sister, sister, sister Nancy. Nancy. No, Sister Wafat. It, it, it was an Arab lady. Uh, but there's a Sister Wafat that works here. Can you use okay, okay. Name? Oh, yeah. Sister Nancy. <laughs> so I go up to Sister Nancy, and uh, I'm like, uh, Sister Nancy. And she's talking because there's a you know there's a there's a two teacher thing in the lower grades. Assistant. And assistant. And exactly. Yeah. She's talking to her assistant. I'll, I'll say the assistant's name, Sister Iman Matoyi. She was awesome. She was, she was she's an angel. She was awesome. Is that is that Iman Matoyi? Yeah. I heard she was awesome, and she's just like oh, she was awesome. Well, like, she was so nice. More like a therapist. She's yeah. Very nice. As this lady is talking to Sister Iman, I'm tapping her. I'm just kidding. Just tapping. Sister uh, Sister Nancy. Sister Nancy. Sister Nancy. And I'm tapping her a couple times. Bro, this woman turns around, stoops to my level, grabs my face. And she shouts in my face, and she says, I'm talking to an adult. Let me concentrate. And I go, 
you know, like, because I was literally shocked then. I don't remember exactly what happens at this stage, but I do remember crying and going to my desk. You weren't in my grade, you were one below me, but Salmon was in there, uh, Aya Faria was in there. I'm not sure, but, but, uh, Sue, doesn't mind. Yeah, Sue, Sue, uh, Sue, uh, Sue Hale, I think her name was, was in there. Some other people. Father my baby was in there. And we were all sitting, right? And I was at my desk crying. And we were like, oh, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I was just so mad I couldn't, couldn't talk. I don't remember this part. I do remember grabbing the sharpener, but I don't remember it landing on her head. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> my mom told me that it hit her in that. Anyways, you I threw it at the teacher? Yeah, I looked under my desk because I was crying and I was sad and I was scared. And then I got angry because I was feeling vulnerable. So I grabbed my, my sharpener. <laughs> and I look up and I toss that thing. I don't remember it hitting her. My mom told me it hit her though. Yeah. And then I grew up, she told me the story. But what a terrible like way to deal with a child. Yeah, yeah, like and so it hit her in the back of the head, right? That's the slam way. Yeah, what happens it, next? Is so it then she threatens to call my dad, because my dad was a teacher. She says, I'm gonna call you dad. And I got scared as hell. I thought my dad was gonna beat me up. So I got worried even more. And then my dad comes in, my dad was embarrassed. I actually I actually thought he was gonna hit me, but he didn't. He comes in and he's like embarrassed. And then uh this is, okay, that was a bad situation, right? <laughs> this is the really bad part. For the rest of the year, she had a personal vendetta against me. I forgot what happened. I'm just six years old. Mm -hmm. I come to school the next day, and she hates my guts. And I remember on three or four occasions, like one time, do you remember the library fair thing? The book fair? Mm -hmm. I love the book Yeah, fair. they would do the book fair. I was just glass the corner. Yeah. Remember the pizza? <laughs> So we were in the same class. We might have been. So I graduated in 2014. You were in second grade at IAF. IAF. Yeah, and then I was in seventh grade. No, I didn't come back till ninth grade. Okay. Yeah. So we are in the same class. I mean, there would have been the same class. I'll tell, I'll tell you your name off camera and we'll see if you were in the same class. Oh, okay. That was my second grade. <laughs> that was my second grade teacher. Okay. Not you. Okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, the uh, after that, I came to school from the. We came from the book fair late, right? We, we went during lunch. We came back late, me and three kids. She comes, takes the three of us, sits us down, and goes, Basha, go stand in the corner. Why? Well, I, because she hated my guts. I go and I stand in the corner, and I'm like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> You're six. Dude, I'm six years old. I'm thinking, what did I do wrong? And then we're sitting in, in uh, the assembly in the morning or whatever. You're so tied up. Yeah, yeah, Like, dude. by a six-year-old kid. I'm telling you. We're sitting, and Samet started drawing a snake. I still remember. It's hilarious. Samet starts drawing a snake on his schedule. There's a schedule thing that she gave each student. And then we all started competing and drawing snakes on her schedule. She taps my, soul, my, my shoulder, and she says, Sister Iman, take him to the principal's office. On the walk there, I say to Sister Iman, why am I in trouble, but they're not? 
Mm, but you didn't do as, it. As any kid would do. Dude, yeah. I was like, why am I sure? But they're not. Because you really don't Dude, know. I literally remember on more than one occasion, Sister Iman arguing with her on my behalf. And her shouting back saying, no, he's going, he's in trouble. I, I got to know the principal. I think her name was Principal June. Sister June. Yeah. Sister June. I got to know her so well because I was in her office like three days out of every week. And I was sitting in her office because I was in trouble. If that's not an abuse of your position as a teacher, I don't know what is. That is, bro. Dude, that is so messed that's up. That's actually like, dude. If I think about that happening to my son or my dad, I'd be pretty pissed. Did you tell your parents? I told them now. At the time, did, I had no idea. But at the time, you did. I had no idea. I thought, okay, this is, this is. I hated going to school because I thought I would spend the rest of it of the day in the principal's office. That's the scariest part about having kids. Like six years old, still very young. Yeah. You know, kindergarten, you start at five. Right. It's extremely scary to think about your five-year-old or your six-year-old being right. in an environment where you're not there and they rely on you 99% of the time anyways. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't know any better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. To say something, speak up about it. But that situation could have got a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. She could have hit you. Yeah. She could have done a lot. I she never went that far. But then, I don't know. I'd be like, I've never had that experience, but it, it yeah. That no one should be in that kind of position. One hundred percent to make way decisions like that. And I don't think it would happen. In, I mean, it's possible it could happen in a public school. It's probably less likely. But I do think there's a thing with Arab schools, or non, uh, I would say immigrant schools, where they think they have more power than they actually do. Well, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't even stop it at that. Mm. I would say that is something that the Muslims in America are dealing with right now. Yeah, yeah. I think that type yeah. of behavior where. You're kind of marginalized on purpose for not being perfect, yeah. because they think of perfection in a certain way, even though they're not perfect. You know, yeah. so that is translated to multiple aspects, which is why I was telling you earlier. Like, I think like the Arabs are going to start coming out of it. That's going to be yeah. They're not going to be yeah. So, like I called it the Amo effect as a joke, but like imagine like your teacher is literally you're at Azuma. And the person who punished you is the person hosting the Azuma. Mm. It's very strange that Monday through Friday you have to call them sister, brother, X, Y, Z. Yes. And on the weekends and in the afternoons and when they're at your house, you call them Amla, Amta, Tata, And that's like, a, I've always felt weird about that. And I can't imagine, well, I know I felt weird about it. I know teachers felt weird about it because sometimes those people are more hard on you in front of others because they know that other people know your family or friends with their family. Yeah. Something like that. And that's not fair. It's like, I don't want doing anything wrong, but Sister X was at my mom's house the other day, so she feels like she has to be extra tough on you. Mm. It's like, no one asked you to. Yeah. My mom right. certainly didn't ask you to, yeah. right? Um, and as long as that, that ha- like, sorry, like when, when we were at IAF and AIA, like, was there anybody you didn't know? At UAF? No, I'm sorry, at like IAF, back in the day. IAF? Um, I mean, Sister June. Everybody knew Sister June in kindergarten. Yeah, what I'm saying is, it's like even the teachers, the principals, the kids, like yeah. half the kids, their parents are teachers. Like My mom was a teacher, I ought to be teaching. Arabic? Arabic, yeah. Wait. Um, With Sister Manette. Do I know her? Sister Manette's all day, mom. Yeah. I do know her. Brother Fatima. Wait, that's your mom? No, no, no. Wait, no. Oh, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys want to do, like, after or during, like, like elementary or college? 
Like, what did you guys originally want to do straight out of high school? Oh, out of high school, I thought I was going to become an astrophysicist. Me too. (laughs) I don't know where it came from, but I thought that's what I was going to do. From, I distinctly remember third grade when I went to, it was my first full year in public school. Yeah. And they, my mom requested that they put me in the gifted science and math program. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And I thought gifted meant for kids who have learning disabilities, so I was offended. Because <laughs> on my soccer team, they used to call this kid gifted, and he had like, like some sort of no gift, uh, special needs. No, no, he had like <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, so they called him Gift Bay Area Bass was the name of the team. They looked him up. We never won a single game, but. <laughs> There was a kid on our team who had special needs, and they used to call him gifted instead of like special or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when my mom put me in the advanced gifted program at Hunters Green Elementary, I thought that meant I was like that kid. Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand it. So it has nothing to do with the story. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time I ever was exposed to a real science program or a real math program. Well, my dad was a math teacher, so he was pretty rigorous with me. Mm-hmm. But like things like physical sciences, biological sciences, mm-hmm. chemistry, things like that, like. Kids don't get taught that, but we're sitting there, we're at Kennedy Space Center, and there's a real astronaut sitting across, like, giving a lecture to us. I was in third grade. Yeah. I mean, what, what kind of inspiration is that going to give kids if they're, if they're exposed to STEM programs, to coding nowadays, to data science, to all sorts of, even art uh, to a certain extent, but specifically sciences, it's, it, it really is like magic to little kids. Mm-hmm. So like from, I remember third grade, the day, it was like my second day in the, that program. And she said, we're going to go to Kennedy Space Center at the end of the year, and we're going to talk to an astronaut. Mm. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. From that day, I was like, I need to be an astronaut or work for NASA Mm. as a physicist or something. Yeah, that was actually one of the upsides that I was going to mention is the field trips were awesome. Like, they took us to the Kennedy Space Center. They took us to these Mm. Civil War museums. They took us all over. I thought those were awesome. Public school? No, this is a... Yeah, one of the drawbacks, though, is that there was no academic counselor. Like, you know what I mean? So in high school, there was a guidance office. Yeah. Or, or, uh, in, um, in public school, there was a guidance office mm-hmm. that you come and talk to them. In eighth grade, they talk to you and they see what do you want to do. And you write down and they talk to you about it and they bring your parents. When I was in, uh, this happened to me when I was at AYA, I was in uh, Algebra 1. And uh, I remember saying, this is too hard. I just told the teacher that. I said, this is too hard. And she says, okay, we'll talk to your father to... To lower your your academic uh, level for mathematics, you have to go from class A to class B. Yeah, and, and I was like, okay, B to like, things are going to be easier. Be so so I was happy, you know. Mm-hmm. Things are going to get easier. I'm happy, mm-hmm. but I'm just a kid. What do I know? What's good for me? Right. You know, no one talked to me and said, no, you need to try harder. You can come to after school. We'll have a program. We'll we'll get you ready. We'll get you set up. She was like, oh, you want to go down a level? Okay. Mm-hmm. They told my dad he wants to go down a level. My dad was like, okay, that's what he wants. All right. And then they uh, they put me down in the, in the next level, which was with, with Brother Eddie. And, yeah, and boy was that a crazy class because he had like 25 students and he couldn't handle the number of students and we were kind of like this pull out class basically for math and it wasn't good at all. Like mm-hmm. that, that literally, that one move in seventh grade, dropping my math level, it stayed with me until my graduation from high school. So like, you were always... Yeah, I was always behind on math. Like I had to, eventually I caught up by taking summer courses, but it affected me for a while. Mm-hmm. So I think they need more help on the academic side. That's, that's one drawback. The abuse of, of their position sometimes by the teachers, and then also just the discipline system itself. Mm-hmm. Like when they escalate a problem, 
Like seriously, I don't know. Very really personal. Dude, yeah. I'm, very I'm, personal. I don't know if you guys had this, but um, when I was in, uh, yeah, I wasn't a very good kid, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Neither was I, bro. Yeah, I, I did. We, we got, got in a lot of We got a lot of trouble, yeah. <laughs> all of us, I think. But I think, honestly, I think their discipline system is this outdated Arab form of punishment. Yeah. Well, like, it almost invites you to challenge them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and one time what they did was, I got into we a... We should. We should. We should what? Challenge. Yeah? Absolutely. Maybe now. Wait, how is it now, dude? I, don't know. I, I heard it change, but just to tell you how it was, I got into a tussle with, uh, with uh, a kid in our class. We were playing soccer, right? And uh, we got... He kept making me run for the ball. So <laughs> I was, I was shouting him, him down. He got mad. We kind of... We didn't punch or anything. It was just a push. And then people broke us up. Coach came and got involved. He puts me... Uh, on the, on the bench and then write me up, right? This write-up leads to a full day of APR. Do you guys know what that means? Mm-hmm. And it's school suspension. Line. Yeah, but what does the APR stand for? This <laughs> I don't you know. know. We, I don't know if it's just, we called it the error of punishment. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was, that's what they called it. Anyway. The error so, of punishment? Yeah. That's the most added Yeah, and it was, bro, it was this old dingy building all the way in the corner that was the only one that didn't get renovated. You spend the whole day with oh, like behind. Yes, like a brown shit up. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And you'd sit in there all day. Yeah, I was I in there a sent, couple times. Yeah, yeah, dude. I was. I got sent for a full day of in school in school suspension. Isn't that a little harsh? I think that's a little bit harsh. You want to hear a funny, yeah. uh, funny thing? Yeah, I think it is harsh. But that I don't think it's the Arab corporal punishment like it used to be because mm. like I have a very distinct memory mm. of my brother and his friend. My brother is six years older than me. He went to IAF, so he was in like middle school at IAF days with Brother yeah. Sammy and Brother Sammy and all, all those guys, right? And uh, and for some reason they were practicing WWF wrestling at the time. Uh-huh. So it was my brother and his friends, and there was a bigger guy. I won't say his name, but it got too serious, and he threw somebody through the the trailer. Like it was in the trailers, and he threw him against the wall, and they went through the wall. <laughs> and I just remember. <laughs> The administrators lining my brother and his friends up and just giving them bah, bah, bah. like that yes. was for real. Like, but it was cool. It, it wasn't like it wasn't cool. But like the parents were almost cool with it because it's like in Morocco, so they right. deserve it. Not that they deserve it, but it's like, well, you know, what am I going to say to Brother Sam? Fuck your Sam, Brother Samia. You know what I mean? And like my dad was also like friends with them to be like, okay, well, it's like me raising my kids probably is how they felt, right? But I just distinctly remember, like, you can't beat kids in school. You can't do that. <laughs> exactly. That's hilarious. My experience in, in uh, for schools and being punished in Morocco was, like, very dark. Because I, I grew up about four or five years in Morocco. Yeah. And um, so I was going there from, like, I think kindergarten, basically all the way to, like, second grade. Yeah. And, um, like, they were, like, the type that if you missed homework, you're getting slapped in the hand. Oh, yeah. With, like, a wooden plank. Yeah. You know, five, ten times. You know, if you didn't do your homework or that kind of stuff. Right here. So, yeah, that that was the way. The hose. The like, black hose. Oh, yeah, they had the hose. <laughs> um, and I'm not the same thing yeah. as the either. Full of yeah, 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 yeah. You pick one. And, and, and you're sitting there, like, you know what I mean? Like, about to get hit. And then you break it on you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So, yeah. I, I never really liked that experience. I mean. I just grew up in a different way compared to, I think most people. Um, like for example, um, in fifth grade, my dad 
by the, by the way, my dad's black. Mm-hmm. So like, and he, he grew like was born in 1932. Okay. So 19, 1932, that's just so different back then. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, what would happen is that one time I got in a fight with some dude in fifth grade. I don't know what happened, you know, like mm-hmm. got into it, and then the teacher, you know, wanted to have a teacher parent conference, whatever, mm-hmm. at a meeting, and then my dad shows up, and my dad and the teacher, and they're talking about like you know what's going on, what happened. And then my dad was just straight up like, hey, like, you know, they're just kids, they're just boys. Like, I came from like the background of play, like, let them go to the barnyard and I can settle it out. But that was just unimaginable for like the lady, of course. you know what I mean? That was just like, oh my gosh, how dare you, you know what I mean? Like, so but that just is another generation, you know what I mean? Like, grew up differently. Like, he would whip my ass, you know what I mean? Like, with belts, just belts. So I don't, don't want to make too much of anything else, but like, it, honestly, I think it helped. I really, when I look back at it, I do not mind being like you know whipped up. I don't have some. Like, but you know, but it's different when somebody else does it, not your parents, because you you know your parents love you. Yeah, but for it, sure. Yeah, you know you know that okay, they're angry. Even like, alhamdulillah, I was never hit as a kid, mm. except by my Quran teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Out of all people, the Quran teacher. Yeah, with the hand and the, <laughs> and the black, the stupid black hose. I still, every time I see them on the on the, because you know they use them for irrigation. Mm. Every time I see them, I think about him. I make a dot. Would you hit your kids? <laughs> Would you hit your kids raising them? Or? I wouldn't hit my kids now. They have to do something really extremely bad. Yeah, you, yeah. Them. Like if I have a son, I would be I would be firm in them. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you walk around with a big stick, you know. Which stick? big stick oh. and they know they can get hit by it but they don't necessarily have to get hit by it to respect it right yeah. well big stick. I, I feel like I, I wouldn't hit them at all what if the, yeah I mean there's very few situations I think I would probably hit my kid but if like I have a son for example he does some effed up stuff to a girl mm-hmm. like, sorry what you hurt that? you hurt that girl you're gonna get your ass kicked, yeah, probably but like they fight and then you go and you beat your kid like they fight in school and they get suspended, yeah. so you beat your kid. Like, how is that teaching them a lesson? How is that teaching them a lesson? You know. Yeah. Well, how about you? Would you? I mean, I mean, I think I'm more like somewhere maybe a little bit if it's that serious. Yeah. I don't. I don't really know. I. I I'm right now in the opinion that I don't want to hit them. Yeah. And that's only because like, I just see the way the prophet. Like, I've never that's heard him talk to them to raise his hands. Like to anyone, yeah. Even though he has like hadiths, like that you can, you know, teach like lightly. Right. Um, but I don't know. If he did, then do wash it up. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're totally right there. Can we go back to your point about guidance counselors? Mm. Uh, yeah. So the academic counselor. I, I didn't get any counseling in a Muslim school. It came after. So can I give you the experience that I had at UAF? Yeah. And I'm sorry, it's the exact opposite of what you experienced. Oh, you had a good experience. That's I had good. A very good experience. Okay. So, Miss Leona was like a godsend for, I think, our class. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, I'm not sure if it was the first or second year, that she was like a teacher and she was a guidance counselor for 11th and 12th graders. Mm-hmm. And she really opened up my eyes and my mom's eyes to the potential. She was like, I, I don't want to say the word forced because that sounds like it wasn't, I didn't want to do it, but she really did push me to apply to Davidson, apply to NYU. Apply to Miami, apply mm-hmm. to all these places. So 
and she went and she got me the vouchers to do it for free. Wow. She reviewed all of my applications personally. She's actually trying. My letters of recommendation. She wrote me one, but then she also reviewed my other letters of recommendation, if I remember correctly. She would give me all sorts of advice. Hey, volunteer with this. Like you have, you're really well rounded here, but you're missing this. Go do volunteer work here. Stuff like that, and like really coached me. It, it almost felt like it was like I can't imagine how she could have done that for 25 people. Yeah. And yeah. also teaching eight classes a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she was a huge driving factor. I got into schools that like I could have never imagined. Like at scholarships. Like I didn't pay a dollar for school. Mm. I, I was being paid by schools. You know what I mean? And I didn't know any of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, and I would say, like, she doesn't work at UAF anymore. I don't know where she is. Yeah. But really? I thought, I, yeah, because I think I she, she was a principal for a bit. She, I think she moved out of the country for a while. She was, out, she, um, was she always traveled so much. She lived in her, yeah, something was like in China or something. I have no idea. Um, mm. That was my exact experience in a public school. Mm. So, mm. <laughs> not in a public school. But you were going to say something, Buffy? Um, I was going to say that I, I, I feel like. Nowadays, like school is a scam. Yeah, business. I do think so. I feel like it's a scam in even high school. Or college. Um, college, college. I would say more so, uh, more so college because it becomes such a rigid thing that almost feels like you're forced into doing something. And I don't really like the way that uh, that system works. Like you study for four years doing something and studying for something that you don't even know or have a taste of what it's like. There's no practical application or testing or yeah. trying the water. And I think a lot of these people, like, I mean, it's just, it's great for the government, like, and whoever's owning the universities, like, they're making a lot of money, which is cool. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of beneficial stuff that is there. But I think there's a lot of time and money that's wasted in these systems because of the way it's set up. Mm. Um, and they make so much money. ACTs, SATs, all these it's other types of, it's a huge business. Um, and that's cool too. I don't mind the business of being, I just want it to be a good thing, like a beneficial thing. And I don't think schools like that anymore. And, yeah. and like high school does not prepare you to navigate the system correctly. Like I really had the perception my entire life that college is like academia, like you see on like, uh, like uh, in the movies. Like, yeah. Like Good Will Hunting, like that's what it's like. Like you work with professors and you discover things, and like that's what I thought academia was. Like, but most people who are in college don't experience real academia. Like it's just it's four hundred people in the lecture hall. There's no personalization. There's not really a lot of discovery and things like that. And the high school certainly, especially as at Simon School, did not prepare me at all for that because I thought it was going to be a cakewalk and I got my ass kicked for four years straight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think a big issue is, and, and I, I don't like Ron DeSantis, but he made that uh, you know, personal finance class required for public schools, mm. for public high schools. I think like we need to be setting those kinds of benchmarks. When we have community members who, okay, I'm going to, what's... No, no, no. I don't want to say what I was going to say. <laughs> Wait, no, I mean, it's a, it's a good point of development for them. It's, we Otherwise, have community members... In Tampa, across different schools. I want names. Regar I'm not saying I want names. Regardless of school. He wants to get you in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of what school affiliation they have, there are community members here in the Tampa Bay area who have 
tens of millions of dollars, successful businesses, people who have exited businesses, people who have created public companies, wow. people who own companies that are a part, they run companies that are publicly traded. Wow. Like we have insane community members in our Muslim community, mm-hmm. not outside, not talking about Jeff, uh, what's it name, Vinick and all those guys. Jeff are, Bezos. <laughs> all, all those guys in the Tampa Bay area who are literally billionaires on, on like mm-hmm. building a city on their own dime. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like take that out of it. Just talk about the Muslim business owners, the Muslim business operators, even the, the, the doctors who run their own successful practices. Those people can offer insights that can propel you like three to five years yeah. just by talking to them in three conversations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the fact that like those people don't sit on boards, now they do. Like it's changing. Mm-hmm. They didn't sit on boards when we were there. They were almost looked down upon. I heard one time somebody say, I don't go to ICT because it was built by people who sell alcohol. Mm. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a masjid. Are, yeah. are you kidding me? And I understand why those business people would never want to get involved in the community when people look at them like that. Yeah. It's like, you, that, those people built this message. How do you know, though? Like, how does one know 100% that that money that went to? No, no, that's not what it's, yeah, you don't know. And but plus, the, isn't, isn't the best way to get rid of that money is charity? Yeah, like, to get that kind of money? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so, so what is he complaining about? Like, that's like the perfect... <laughs> right, but, but like, imagine to somebody... that to the masjid. Like, let's just say even if his money is haram. Like, let's just say... Well, it's not, your, like, it's not your business. It, well, it's not your business, first yeah. of all. And second of all, like, let's just say it is haram. Like, what's the best way to get rid of that money? Like, you already accumulated that money. Yeah. What's now? What now? Yeah, of course. Islamically, it would be it's just... I mean, what is it? The sadaqah is... Yeah. It, Cleanses your wealth. Cleanses your wealth. Like, yeah, like so the water on fire, right? Exactly. So like the guy, him, like, like that's ironic in itself. Like he's like mad about something that he's doing, actually something. <laughs> right, like something that his kids benefit from too. Yeah. Like, so my point is, those people are here. Those people are part of this community, and they're being. They were for a long time. A lot of them probably alienated. I don't know that for sure, but why aren't those people mentor three kids a year, mentor five kids a year? I mean, they don't Come, have to. They don't have to. Come speak for an hour. Give kids internships. Let's create some scholarships. Yeah. Let's do something. None of that is there. Like, we're going to always be playing catch up to these, you know, these incredible programs. But you think kids at Tampa Prep go to college not knowing what they want to do? Yeah. No, I think that's no, a great I, point. I don't think they do. Yeah. 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 I think that when they would take us to those trips for museums and whatnot, you see a lot of uh, success stories, but they don't look like you. Yeah, so mm. it almost makes you feel like I can't do this. This is nice to see, but it's not for me. I've had that before. Yeah, and that I think that's how some people may have experienced it. I know that happened to me for that's, a little bit. That's for sure. Yeah, you you'd go to Mosey and you would see all the cool stuff happening in Mosey, but all the, the people that are making it are white people. And white so you, yeah, and, yeah, and so you think, well, this is nice to see an astronaut in space, yeah. but I'm Arab, so I'm going to be a doctor, so I have to go to it. You know mm-hmm. that I can't be an astronaut. There's like it's a psychological thing that's like underpinning everything. We see and, and think that it needs to be like uh, dismantled, and it takes people in their field seeing them in their field. I think to actually change that. But I think that by the time we have kids and they're in the high school age, I think we'll have it. Yeah, yeah. natural progression because of our generation is our generation. A lot of them did go outside of it. Like a lot of people are outside of the box right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had dinner the other day with a comedian, Tor King, right? He's half Syrian, half white. Oh. Yeah, Zaid Cozy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sam Huh? Sam Oh, he was at the PD fundraiser. Right. 
Yeah. So we had dinner with him, and like, dude has a good job. Yeah. But he's pursuing comedy. Exactly. That's what he wants to do, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. We only have a few. We have Mo Ana. <laughs> we have Rami. Yeah. You know? Who's a comedian? Who? Rami? Rami Yusuf? Rami Yusuf. Rami Yusuf is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Rami Yusuf is the, the guy, the director. Yeah, yeah. He's also a comedian? Yeah, he has a stand up. Ah, okay. His stand up special was on Hulu and then it got picked, he got picked up for the show. Okay. Yeah. I see. I think I saw him now. Yeah. So, like, those people, there's a few of them, sure. And then we had the Axis of Evil back in the day. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There's like six comedians and they named themselves after what Butch called the Axis right. of Evil. It was like Idol and Idol. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they were like, they're Arab Muslim, not only Arab, but they were Muslim comedians. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, there, there are so many funny kids like in our community. And a lot of it comes from like that kids of diaspora, like they deal with their trauma, with comedy yeah. and things like that. But all, all of those sorts of things, like if somebody like Isaiah Fauzi was, was, came and spoke just for an hour in an assembly. How many kids do you think that could inspire? 100%. I think about that all the time. Yeah. Or an athlete comes. Mm-hmm. Who was that? Where did the soccer coach you down here in Moroccan or whatever? Really? Oh, yeah. I, I don't remember. I don't know. We had this guy. He came and he talked about all of his experiences or whatever. And I was like, dang, man. Like, you can really go be whatever you want, whatever you want right. to be. That was, that's what I was talking about. Like, also, what's your name? It should be like a career day. Not even just a career day. Don't don't make it so rigid so that kids can say, "Oh, that's stupid," because the school is doing it. Yeah. Like the more natural it feels, if somebody just comes, the teacher leaves, and they're just having a conversation, he's giving them real insights. Like that that does a lot more, in my opinion, than something like, "Hey guys, we have career day. We have a firefighter and a nurse and a doctor and an engineer and a board member." Okay. I mean, like that's that's also what the teachers are pushing as well. They they have an idea in their head as well, but like once. The generation changes. I think like people will start pushing like, "Oh, hey, this person is saying that they want to be something that's not like, oh, okay, cool." Like instead of trying, oh no, how do you like, you know, <laughs> I don't think you're gonna do well in this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, Dad. No, I, I had nothing to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> also, yes. like our Islamic schools don't really produce Islamic scholars. Oh, Actually, very good point. This yeah. is a very good point. Yeah. Sheikh yeah. Safali just put out a promo video for the university that I yeah. attended, the Islamic Center of America, mm-hmm. where he was saying that we can't keep importing our scholars, that Islam, if Islam is going to be a successful institution in America, we need to breed our own scholars here. We need to, you know, groom our own scholars. And there needs to be a new approach to Islamic tradition, but that's a topic first. That is an interesting. We could. Uh, so, uh, they do a great job, I think. You know, helping the, the kids who show a real genuine interest. I think that they do a good job promoting that. And the, when the kids do show a genuine interest, I think mm-hmm. UIF does too. I'm sure Bayan does as well. I don't really know a lot about them. But in what way do they facilitate Islamic scholarship? The kid who leads Tarawih is a graduate of Ayah. That's like what? The kid who gives the Adhan. The, the kid who started yeah, okay. the Ayah fundraiser, he read Quran. Two but kids. How, like, what, what, what happens? Like, is they're just, curriculum? I mean, it's, I don't know if it's curriculum. I really don't know. Mm-hmm. But. But the only two people I know who are our age pursuing Islamic education on a like a high scale is Mahdi and what's the other kid? Ahmed uh, Hassan's brother. Yeah, yeah. Ali. Oh yeah, he went to Dar es Salaam. Yeah, those are the only two people I know who are my age that show an interest. And guess what? Both of them didn't go to Islamic school. Mm. Well, there there are some Islamic schools that actually they do like push out like um, actual fiqhs and like a- actual like students of fiqh and stuff. There's some schools up north, like in Chicago, 
And then um, there's also like, it's like madrasas. Like you actually live there. It's like a boarding school. Yeah, so like that. cool. Yeah, it's, a, it's very, very interesting. They have some in um, there's one in Buffalo. There's one in uh, like Canada. But yeah. they're coming up actually. And there's they're like. But how do you do that in the existing ecosystem? Not um, by creating by, new schools. By being a rock. Like by staying rigid in what you believe in and, 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 and continuing that. And other people will naturally join. I mean, like you can already see it happening with these old people. Like these old people that are running this place, like, bro, like they they themselves are like, they're smoking cigarettes with all this other stuff. And like, they're just going to dissipate, you know, they're like, their word is not going to matter. And then the people that us and the people like after us, they're going to start implementing those ideas. And it's just going to be what we want to bring. We're going to be able to bring in any type of imam we want to bring. You know, It's yeah. going to be a little bit easier. So once we become the rock and just stay put with whatever we believe in, like you'll realize that people will be like, okay. But how do you create those programs for kids? Not, not kids who have an interest. Because not yeah. a lot of people are going to have the interest. How do you spark that interest? Right. I think the content needs to be more inspiring. Like if I think to my experience... Man, they had us up for Ankas doing al Qaeda and Nuraniya. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? Or Hamza Fatha Alif Sukun and. Oh my that. god. Yeah. This it was such a waste of time. Burned in your. Dude, who, like seriously, who sat down in the room together and was like, okay, guys, this is what we're going to roll out to all our students next year, and this is going to be the, the Quran studies program? What's his name? Dev? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know who did it. But dude, I think it's so useless. Yeah. Oh my god, it was such a waste of time. Like, you go through all this. The, like, dude, just get to the point. I'm 16 years old. Seriously. And, and you, you go no, through you that. You have to learn the basics Bro, before but, you jump. Yeah, but because, but because I hear you. With Sheikh Saeed. Yes. As but, you know. No, no, I hear you. Sheikh but it's, this is a way of doing it that is like, is that it? My Quran teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. He's actually teaching me the bare basics. So that way yeah, right I go. Masjid. No, no, I think, slide, yeah, this, isn't, this isn't the Islamic school program. This is something you're pursuing on your own time. Correct. So what, what we're talking about is in the Islamic studies class, in the Quran class. By the way, and I really did enjoy Islamic studies. Like, mm -hmm. I would actually like it when Sheikh and Shirah would, would take Brother me. Hassan? Sheikh and Shirah. Sheikh and Shirah was great. Yeah. Brother Hassan Sultan. He was good. They need to give that man a position. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was boss, but come here. No, I was just going to say, I actually... Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I really liked it when he would pick me to give a talk after Salatullah. That's another big mm -hmm. upside. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that we would go to Salatullah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. taking a break from class. And going to you know to the masjid and making salah and then having that little halakha. you know I actually enjoyed that part. Um, and then and then you would come back to class. But the thing is, I feel like the Islamic studies it was more of a of a, of a memorization of just a rote memorization of facts and historical events well, that, they, they, deem, that yeah. they deem important. Yes, and that's good. Mm -hmm. Maybe when you're like in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. But at some point, you have to engage me. You, know no I mean? there, yeah. you have to tell me, you have to ask the deeper questions, you know, like, why did it legislate this? Why did Allah give this command? Why did this happen at this instance in this moment of time? And how do you apply that to your yeah. life? Like, if you ask yourself some really tough questions right now, like, for example, why is it that there needs to be two testimonies of a woman in the witnessing of a contract versus one for a man? Can you answer that question? None of us can. I, none of us I can, can try. Buffins can try. <laughs> but none of us can confidently say this is the answer and this is why. From a fifth standpoint? Yes. Yeah. And that's a problem. Because what are you getting hammered on? You're not getting hammered on, hey man, 
why do you believe in five pillars? Why not seven? Yeah, that's it's not the question. How come women can't drive in Saudi Arabia? Exactly. That's the question. That's the question yeah. is why can't women drive? Why is it that the women are behind men in Salah? Why do women have to wear hijab but men don't? Why is it there are two female testimonies versus one for men? Those are the questions they ask. Why do you believe in the chocolate pants? Why do you believe in stoning? Why do you believe in hudud? Those are the questions that a whole generation of American Muslims cannot answer. And that's a scary problem because you know what it does to you? It puts you in this, uh, uh, this, this mode of dysphoria. You believe in Islam, but you have unanswered questions. And so you're Muslim, but you don't really know the deeper questions for life. And so a lot of people are Muslim in name only. They don't know actually why they're Muslim, but they're Muslim because it's the easiest thing to do when your whole family and all your friends and the whole sphere around you is Muslim. And so that leaves you with an entire generation of Muslims, and this is the scary part, aren't Muslims. that aren't actually practicing Muslims. Well, that even even worse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so what that could beget for you is another generation even less. that completely yeah. loses the faith. And it happened historically. This actually happened. That, that we studied it in class, the history of Islam in America, that between uh, the interwar period, between World War I and World War II, there was an entire generation of immigrant Muslims that came to this country that none of their, off, their offspring retained Islam. And it happened before in Latin America. Mm-hmm. They came to the I country. Know that generation, yeah. I know that generation. Yeah, and they completely lost Islam. That's yeah. why you have a lot of people in South, in, in South America and Latin America that have Muslim and Arabic names. But they're not Muslim. Mm. That's like some dude named Saleh. Are you Muslim? And they, no. and they make matluva and they yeah, make all and they of make our Arab food. food. And they, they think it's just Spanish food. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, oh yeah, it's a recipe my mom taught me. My great my great grandparents taught me. And that's a scary thought. Yeah. Like it's a very scary thought to think the next generation might not even retain Islam at all. Yeah. And and these Islamic schools are literally the first uh, point of attack because when you start getting you know uh, inculcated with the, the culture around you is in those formative years of high school and middle school. And the first time you're challenged with your religion is college. A hundred percent. And even I would even argue in high school too because what you're seeing, even if you're in that bubble of an Islamic school, which some would say it's not a bubble because, you know, they're probably doing programs outside of Islamic school, which you have a point, Sister Meister said that, that you know, you want to be in, in interscholastic programs outside of school and whatnot. I agree, but if you're only in the Islamic school, that is a kind of a bubble. Um, where was I going with this? <laughs> I can't remember where my point was. People are um, losing. It, 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 yes. Exactly. Yes. And, and if that happens, if you're not the helping in that first point of defense, then they're going to mo- move on to college. I'll be honest. This is exactly what I saw. When I was in the MSA, I remember like, you guys, yeah. you go on to college and you're like, what the hell is going on here? You well, know what I mean? I mean, that is, this is a topic I actually want to talk about. Yeah. There is, um, Oh man, I have a whole story. So basically, we have like maybe within a, a grade above us and a grade under us, and maybe like a couple years under. Um, let's say within whole, five five years. Of plus our, or minus, yeah. 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 Um, there's a whole generation that's just kind of becoming atheists. Like, mm. I have a lot of friends that become atheists, and I, I have no problem against that. I mean, they're Muslim. They were they were Muslim in our class and stuff, like yeah. in our classes, in and our they schools. became atheists. Just yeah. they, I don't know about atheism, but like they're no, not. They, they don't consider themselves Muslim. They don't believe in God. Some of them definitely became atheists. Some yeah. of them just whatever. They don't really care. That's but wild. Them. Yeah, and um, it, all it took, I know, is like a couple of classes, like in, in mm-hmm. their honors college, that had to do with about religion or all these other stuff. And at that point in time, I've never ever been challenged in regards to Islam. 
And that was the first time I was challenged. I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, like, whoa. Come on, guys. I thought we were on the same page here. Come on, like, what are we doing? Like, why? Yeah. Uh, don't you want to go to heaven? <laughs> and, like, that's what I'm thinking in my head. Like, don't you want to go to heaven? Yeah. And um, it's, I actually think it's a good thing. Sur- surprisingly, at least they're questioning why, you mm-hmm. know? And they're asking why. Like, they're still actually curious. They're trying to find an answer. Yeah. They just maybe haven't spoken to the right person. Yeah. Or a lot of these people, like, are scientifically driven. Yeah, smart so kids were, yeah. who are going down the path that their parents and their schools are forcing them down. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, is that like, science is always going to lead you to like always asking more why, why, why. why empirical never, evidence is everything yeah. in science, right? And it's yeah. a tool, and it's tools are limited, man. Like the hammer is only going to work, you know, for driving nails and pulling nails out of a, a, a plank. You know? Yeah. Screwdrivers going to do something different. So science is very limited, and. Um, I think there's also a generation that's coming in that's kind of backing away from a lot of the science stuff. Yeah. Um, and they, they understand it and they realize that science is very, very limited. Um, so anyway, just going back, I, I think it's it's very healthy for them to ask why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were talking about that. Like, they're just, I mean, think about it. They're living routine, day-to-day, for just sure. living, and they're like, what is this? This feels too mundane. I don't even know yeah. what I'm following. For sure. And I think that there's a great Islamic discipline called Enmul Kalam, which is the, the science of philosophy from a religious perspective. And it came a long time ago because Muslims in the past were challenged by Greek theologians, mm-hmm. like existential questions. Like if, if God exists, where is he? Does God occupy space? How can he occupy space if he's in the, the realm of time and space? You know, those deep questions. And this, this, yeah. these are questions that separate like Salafis and Sufis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even to this day. Right. Yeah. And, and I was never exposed to this until I went seeking it out post-college mm. at a program with Sheikh Shadi called uh, Safina Society. Uh, it's awesome, but no one told me about it. I had to go find it. Yeah. So that's one way to, to the, that paradigm that you're talking about when people ask you know, deep questions. And I, I actually, like, maybe for like three to four, maybe three years, like, I just, I was questioning everything. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was on the brink of not being a Muslim. Mm. Like, and that's okay. Honestly, like in the, when you're going through it, it feels like hell because like everyone around you is believing in this thing, and you're the only one. Like, whoa, like, what's mm. going on? So it took me a long time, man. It took me. A, I was always looking at videos, um, watching videos, debates, mm. and at that point in time, I was of the like the mindset, okay, well, he proved them wrong. Like, there's a scientific like thing, and all these things. And then I, I got to a point where I just started to realize, like, wait, like it's not about like the science of it. I realized that science is limited. And there's a guy I, I really watch a lot. His name is Muhammad Hajjad. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Hajjad is awesome yeah. on YouTube. He has like these little debates. Um, every Sunday there's like a thing in London called Sunday Corner or Speaker's yeah, Corner. Speaker's Corner, yeah. Speaker's Corner was like, and they'll have like debates. Like, it's so interesting. Yeah, you, yeah. you see the, the like atheists and Christians, Christians and Muslims fights like, it's it's actually very entertaining. Yeah. But you learn so much, and um, yeah, man, those videos helped me a lot. Those yeah. videos helped me a lot, and you'd be surprised that there's actual people doing work towards that and yeah. beneficial work, having uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The program that he's part of, Muhammad um, Hijab and also Hamza Dorsis and Imam Hanawatu and Karen Memphis, mm. is uh, it's called Sapiens Institute. Yeah, I thought that I actually registered for one of their. Um, Appointment. So yeah. I don't mean to cut you off because I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I see one of their videos and like they have a thing where you could set up an appointment if you have any questions in 
knew about Sistan. I actually went through the process of this because this was when I was going through this content. Mm. And they have so many questions. Like they're really good at like answering these questions. Yeah. Register for appointment. Unfortunately, like, they were so booked up. Mm. Not booked up, but maybe backed up in their plans mm. probably because they were trying to start at a certain date. Mm. But I remember like, wow, what a great thing. Like you could even put in the specific topic that you had a question in mm. and they had different things and you would answer it and they would set you up with an appointment at a certain time. I was like, wow, this is actually good. Yeah, this is that's really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, by the way, just, just to, on that note, I remember um, having a conversation with Imam Anwar asking, do you really think debates are that effective in convincing the other side? And he said, actually, I asked Hamza Jortis the same question. Mm. You guys know Hamza Jortis. I don't actually. Okay, well, he's just like Muhammad. He did. Okay. He did the same thing. Um, and uh, and he said that, uh, believe it or not, the debates, 99% of the time, don't convince the person you're debating. Which makes him mad. For you. Yeah, yeah. And he just, you know, he maybe you beat his argument, but he'll go home thinking, no, I beat you, and I'm going to actually come with another point. It's for Muslims watching to be convinced of their own needs. That those points that they're arguing are actually weak and ineffective and they have no base for them. Mm -hmm. And that it's for, it's for you guys, it's for the audience. It's not for the guy who's debating. I agree. Because a lot of people, a lot of Muslims will watch a person bring up a point like that and feel, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, this, this religion is yeah. unfounded and basis and mm -hmm. not real. Well, I was like subconsciously educating myself in that kind of thing. Like, I was just watching debates, but really, like, I just needed some comfort. Yeah. You know, I just needed to know, well, wait, like, am I following? Is that, like, am I following? Like, is this right? Yeah. And I'm on the right page? So, yeah, I think that was pretty cool. Um, I know that there are, like, some people that came back. They're not atheists anymore, so I'm happy about that. But um, you never know, man. Time is uh, time is always going, so they could change their mind. Yeah, just on, on this thing, and then you can jump in. The Prophet used to say every morning, Ya muqallib al-qudub, thabbit qalbi ala Oh Allah, the turner of hearts, keep my heart firm on your faith. Amen. And he's the prophet of God. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say? Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, it's um, like these kinds of questions aren't new. Yeah. Our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation probably struggled with them too. Yeah. Or they grappled with these questions too. They just didn't have a way to get answers like we do. So They were more it, exposed to it over the course yeah, it, it was part of their daily life, so it was exactly. it, it was less it took less convincing probably. It too. was less distractions. They didn't yeah. have a different lifestyle but, that they saw. Yeah. But I, what I always felt was like, anytime I had questions, I felt like they were dumb questions. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the other day, we we have in my office like we have three four Muslim people in the office. So in my I, I have a office that has a door that locks, and I keep a like a sujad salah. Mm. So we pray. All together, usually duh, duh, um, every day, and or almost every day, I asked, I asked a question. <laughs> Same, bro. <laughs> I asked a question to two of the guys. I was like, "Hey, if I went to the bathroom and I didn't pee, but I touched my genitals, mm. do I have to make wudu?" And they both looked at me like, "Yeah, are you stupid?" No, but there's describing things. Right, but, but there's but that's levels. Not, yeah, it, bro. but that's what like that. Like, okay, y'all are forty years old. You grew up with it. It was a part of your life. You didn't have to ask questions because your mom saw you do it, and then it happened. Like you just you you learned that, and you were four years old, six years old, ten years old, whatever. Yeah. And then you remember it for the rest of your life. 
For us, we have to go seek out these questions. Exactly. And a lot of the times, the school assumes that your family or your, your home life teaching. is teaching you that, and your home mm. life is expecting your school to teach you that. Mm. And now you're in this in-between, and you know that your mom thinks that you know what to say when you're doing this yeah. in Salah. And your school is, sees you doing that, and they're like, oh, well, your parents taught you when you were uh-huh. six years old. We don't have to teach you. Yeah. Bro, I didn't know what to say when you're sitting down after sujood mm. until I was 15 years old, to 11th grade, 10th grade, basically. Yeah. Right? And I asked Hassan Sultan, he told me, write it on a card. And that's how I learned it. I wrote it on a card in Arabic and in English, so I knew what the meaning was, and plus, like, how to pronounce it. Mm. And I would, every time, I would, I would just keep it in my pocket, and when I would sully, I would have it there. Mm. But, like, I had to wait 15 years to learn yeah. it? Like, that's not okay. Sure. Then there's other things, like, even more so, like, there's no Islam club at Muslim schools. There's no MSA at Muslim schools, mm-hmm. right? But where else are people who are enthusiastic about Islam going to have that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, I get it. We don't need an MSA at UAE for A because everyone's Muslim, right? Mm-hmm. I get that. Everyone should be involved in it. But what about the people who really are interested and they're like-minded and they want to have, uh, you know, a dhikr circle? Or they want to learn a hadith a day, or they want to take 15 minutes during lunchtime instead of playing basketball to go uh, read Quran yeah. together. Like, there's sure. not, there's not, those don't exist. And it's not for the school, like, the school has to like, give a little bit of breadcrumbs so that the kids can be like, okay, yeah, we could do these, make it yeah. our own. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They just don't know, bro. They just don't know, and they never, they don't have, and never had the opportunity. Like, bro, like, they don't even, the concept of, like, college to them. First of all, like they as in like our parents, first generation, or immigrants, mm-hmm. um, they just don't even know. Because like they grew up in schools that don't have any like soccer teams, or that, that doesn't even exist to them. And like, you know, they, they come here and they just, they're honestly trying their best. Like, let's stop for a second. We're just like crapping on them. Oh, I was. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to make it sound like I was. I was saying yeah, yeah, like my yeah. parents aren't doing enough. Sure. I just think that the you know they're not intentionally passing the, the blame or passing yeah. the buck. Like, yeah. But when two people are unaware that there's an issue, how are they going to solve? Like, two parties are unaware that there's an issue with the the like the benefactor here is the student, right? Yeah. Like, how can they solve the issues? And then as the people who are receiving the brunt of those issues, we're also a little bit too embarrassed to always ask those questions. And there needs to be, like you said, or like you mentioned, open forums. There also needs to be opportunities for kids who, like I'm sure if I mentioned to my class of 25 people, hey, who knows what to say when after such time. I'm sure there are probably a couple other people who didn't know. Yeah. Let me, let me, we could have solved that. Let me expand and push that, that topic a little bit more. Like, I think we're beyond just teaching what like needs to be taught and as a chef. That's like very important. That's like the first thing I want to ask about. But there's like other Wait, stuff. I knew that's that the chef, but I didn't know the other parts. No, yeah, yeah, the other parts. <laughs> but like I'm saying like there's questions like that exist right now that are just being totally ignored. Like things like, you know, like uh oh, here it comes. pornography, things like like actual I was legitimate say, stuff. That. Yeah. Like that exist. And it's just swept under the carpet. Not just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, not just yeah. that, but like sex education as a Muslim. Yes, this is the topic I was going to jump into. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like I remember my, this is a funny story. Yeah. My dad had the talk with me. 
Okay. The bees and the birds. <laughs> and he goes, As a man, sometimes water will come out. And he's saying it audibly, so he goes, well, it's like water. Yeah. He says, and if you release water, you have to replace it with water. That's why you take a shower. Okay. And I was like, <laughs> you know, it was a good way to, you know, it was like, give me, give me some insight there. But it didn't actually teach me anything. Yeah. Like about why or the steps or how to make lasso. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do you make lasso after a wet dream or do you only make lasso after you? Yeah. No, yeah, I, 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 Go ahead. You, you have no, no. more questions than you said. No, no, I was just going to say to, to, to that point, um, if you guys think that you were facilitated in the right way for sex education inside of schools, because this was my experience. There was an instance where we uh, we came to school one day, and I think these goofballs just made up some rumor. But the grade right above us, eighth grade, or you were sixth grade, I was saying, and there's eight. Those uh, goofballs, so they're I'm a and Rami, and those dudes, mm. they made this joke. This, this, I don't know what they were saying, but they said that uh, one of the teachers was watching porn on the mm. computer. God. When I heard him say that, I was like, watching corn? Corn, because I didn't know what that was. Yeah. I, I was thinking of the word corn. And so I pulled Brahim Rashid and said, he was watching corn on his computer. <laughs> but they knew what it was. Yeah. And, and they were like, no, you eat porn. Okay. And then I said, what's porn? And then they were like, it's this thing that you do when you hit puberty. Uh, and I go, oh, I want to hit puberty. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Oh, so, no. So that's, that's the start. Of, of, of well, learning what it was. Okay. And then there was an. Uh, this is you know this is eleven years old. This is that age when you're. Who was your favorite at the time? Huh? Nothing. It's it's people people. At, at eleven years old. <laughs> that's not where we went. But what I was going to say was at eleven years old, you're thinking the opposite gender is attractive for the first time. Yeah. That's what you're thinking. Mm. And this is where the the, the the phenomenon of passing notes started, right? Mm. So there was a girl. That I thought was cute, and I would tell my friends about it. And we made this whole code system. We named each girl a color mm. red, blue, gray, whatever. And I liked a girl that we called affectionately red. And so I was passing a note to someone in the class, and I was, I was talking about red. Mm. I didn't write anything explicit or anything bad. I was just saying, I think red is really pretty, and I'm going to talk to her. You know, just pure stuff. Yeah, you know, just normal stuff that a kid would say. Yeah. And uh, I was going to pass it. Two, I think it was Sabbath, in front of me. And the teacher saw it. And she takes the, the, the paper as I was throwing it to Sandra. And then before, before she takes it, I grab it and I try to crumple it up. And then she takes it and she straightens it out. And she makes a big deal out of it. And she looks at it and she says, I'm giving this to the, the, the assistant wow. principal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it got me all scared. Like it's very normal yeah, for yeah. you to like a girl. Right, and I felt terrible. This is over. My dad's going to find out. I'm done for. I'm going to get expelled. I get called to, to Brother Mahmoud's office, and he has the paper in front of him. Mm. And I was scared, boy. I was like, oh, crap. He has my paper. And I was trying to explain it away, like trying to fake what red was. Yeah. I was like, no, red is just a game. Don't you like red? <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to lie was my way. He's just looking at you. Yeah, like, yeah. Shut up. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, yeah. just looking at me. Like, I know what this is, and I know what you did, and I'm going to tell your father. Thankfully, it stopped there. Nothing ever happened. Yeah. He explained to my dad, this is, this is a normal thing. This is his age or whatever. Thank God. And then, Why didn't no. you explain that to you, though? Exactly. Yes. That's what I was going to say. No one came to me and said, Rashid, what you're going through is totally normal. This is part of life. And just don't do it again. Nothing's going to happen. I got a threat. Okay, if you do this again, yeah. 
you're going to get APR. And I did do it again. Air. I did do it again, but air pressure. Pugs, yeah, you better yeah. watch out. Did you, ever, did you ever bag red? No, no, no I didn't bag red. Red, so he's blue. single, he's ready with the successful no, podcast. Uh, <laughs> we actually had, we actually had, we actually were in talking about it anyway. But we didn't have that, it was nothing at all. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> what happened was, I was talking to Sam in the schoolyard one time. Uh-huh. We were playing with the recess and whatnot. And I gave red another letter. But during transmission, he saw somebody coming. So he's like, oh crap, I can't give it to her. So he takes it and he shreds it. And he throws it in it. Wallahi, he tore it up. And he threw it in the trash can. I swear to God, I was called to Brother Hamid's office. And the shredded paper was in front of him. Again. And at this point, I got full day APR. I mean, dude, like seriously, I'm 11 years old. Did anyone think about, hey guys, there's this time in life called puberty, and we need to educate our Muslim students about it. Mm-hmm. No one had that conversation. Mm-hmm. Not staff, not assistant principals, not principal, not board. Mm-hmm. No one said, this is something we need to educate our kids about. You're just expected to suppress it until you don't need to anymore, aka get married. Exactly. It's which taboo. Is, which, exactly. Yeah, it's taboo until, and then your parents are like, hey, should be some jealous. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Exactly. I mean, like, that's like the main, like, my mom is like, the, it's like the crown she, she just can't wait till I get married. Like, that's the one thing in her mind that, I don't know what it is. They're just so fixated on that. And, like, I don't know. For me, like, we were talking about pornography and all these other things. Bro, like, I started watching pornography, like, at maybe, maybe fourth grade. Oh, my grade. God. Yeah. Because I, I, I hit puberty very early. In fifth grade? I promise you, I, I, if you ask everyone, like, if you ask everyone, bro, I had armpit hair like in fourth grade. I was, I legitimately had armpit hair in fourth grade, and I was like going at it at sixth grade. I'll, I'll say right now, hair. I'll say right now, I have never seen it. I'm a very pious person. I'm like a chef from inception. <laughs> so I, I'm just saying, like for the people that that like you know experiences, it's very like it's a very real thing, you know. Absolutely. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, the first time we taught, like the first time I learned how to make ghosts, was twelfth grade. Okay. Can you imagine praying? Like you're st- you start praying, let's say fourth, fourth or fifth grade. Can you imagine going ten years without praying? Like none of your prayers counted because you didn't know. That's crazy. I mean, and that's like in this. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, you don't know, you but it's like. But the idea of Hassan is that you want to go back and make up for things that you, you now you know you, you messed up, right? So like going back, it's like how many salahs am I gonna to have to make up if I ever do make those up? If I ever do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're talking about thousands of salahs, mm-hmm. <laughs> all because of something that could have been but a five minute conversation. The thing is, you can easily make those up by going to Masjid uh, Al-Aqsa. Yeah, I'm just saying in general, it's, it's like, yeah, a lot more. Uh, my my concern is like, you know, how many other kids don't, not yeah. even kids, you yeah. know? I mean, but I, I wouldn't, like, I, I don't, I still don't think that's a main concern. Like, this is actual stuff that's affecting people's psychology. Not that it's not a main and all that stuff no, is no. very important. It's part of the problem, but it is not the problem. You know, it's yeah. like, you know what I mean? That's just, that's just, just washing someone's body yeah. to be clean, you know what I mean? Like the other aspect, the psychological of aspect pornography. of pornography yeah. and dealing with it day to day. Like I was talking to people from our class, you know, that would say that they would get, they would act certain ways, they would 
react in certain ways. And I think like this generation, bro, like, I mean, you see where it's being pushed. I don't think your parents have to teach you, but like someone needs to show you that this is a, it's not a, this it's not real. A, this is a thing. This is a phenomenon. Like, uh, I did, yeah, that this is what adults do. You do this Islamically in a halal way by marrying. And the difference between watching it on Hollywood or in pornography and how it actually is in real life. Yeah, which grade important. would you teach that to, to the students? I think I think they need to mature a little bit more before you have that. Because they're going to be like, you, you know, they're going to push it off. So you, I think maybe high school. High school? Well, no, dude. Because I mean, like, these kids are, they, these kids like, are on TikTok. Are, they're on TikTok yeah. and they see That's girls twerking and they see guys, the girls see guys with shirts. So maybe in ninth grade. No, no. I mean, these, I'm, I think earlier than that, bro. I yeah. mean, if I if I started watching it, like, at fifth, fifth grade, fifth grade, like, if that was my 2005, 2006, bro, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm able to access, like, a magazine or whatever it may be. Yeah. You're talking about five, six, seven, ten years of oh, that being ingrained in you. Yeah. That during your developmental cycle, like, mm -hmm. like you're, that's where you're gonna have the majority of your thoughts and beliefs about and impressions about sex. You know, like outside of outside of Islam, like people get their experiences from sex well, through sex, right? Like kids mm -hmm. are having sex, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. So the point I was making is that, you know, they're, yeah, they you know, they might be experiencing pornography at a young age too, and that also, you know, it hinders their development, like, and it also affects you psychologically and with emotional relationships and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But then they're also getting the practical experience of having that sex. That's something that's not going to change for Muslim kids, right? Mm -hmm. There will be more and more Muslims that go out and do whatever they want to do, but the majority of people are still going to, you know, cling to the fact that you're not supposed to have sex before marriage. Yeah. So then you get married with zero experience on both sides, and you have expectations based off of something that's not real, she might have expectations based off something that's not real, and there's, like, more often than not, not well, I don't say more often than not, but more often than you would expect, there are some real issues with intimacy between Muslim couples. Cool. And they don't know how to communicate about it, they don't know how to communicate what they like, they don't know how to communicate what they don't like, they don't know how to, like, I can't even imagine, like, how many girls feel like they're being abused by their husband because they don't know how to articulate hey i don't like this this makes me feel this way yeah. or how many men you know feel like they can't tell their wives like hey look i'm just, i'm a man i have you know you're a woman i have needs you have needs but yeah. like mine might be more than yours mine might be less than yours like how do you navigate those there there are guys who have difficulty with intimacy there are women who have difficulty with intimacy pain you know, like physiological pain, erectile dysfunction, erectile dysfunction, like all these dudes be vaping. I bet you they have ED. They're, they're you, you know, know what I'm saying? I was in does Morocco. vaping cause ED? Yes. yes you know it's crazy? Wow. I was yeah. in Morocco and I was like, at this point, like this was when I was like smoking and um, I got scared. Like, I, like there was a couple days that I just couldn't, things weren't working. Like, you know, they weren't working. <laughs> I understand. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And at this point, like, I had just taken, like, the, the Pfizer shots as well. Oh, you got worried it was the <laughs> vaccine? <laughs> bro, everything went through my head. Like, you know, like, the calculations, everything was there, bro. Yeah. And uh, I, I would start, like, you know what I mean? Like, the first thing you think, I'm like, okay, man, this is the smoking. I search up, like, it's the smoking cause, like, you not to get hard or whatever it may be. Like, you know what I mean? And, like, yeah, you see, yeah, so you quit smoking. But I think, like, it's also, there's a big mental game to it. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, smoking definitely did affect it a little bit. Yeah. This issue that these issues that you guys are mentioning mm-hmm. is very related to uh, an imam and sex therapist that's in the Sheikh Yasser Fazaga. And I had an interview with him. I love him. He's a psychologist. He, he, he's a sex therapist. He might also be. He might. He might have multiple. What is a sex therapist? The guy with the glasses, the uh, uh, black suit. Yes. He's amazing. Yes. He's an amazing speaker. For sex therapy, (laughs) or just sex. (laughs) And one of the things he said was that uh, he thinks that one of the biggest issues that Muslims are facing, the Muslim community, is this overwhelming paradigm that Muslims have to go through middle school, high school, college, establish a career, and then marry. Mm. And it causes sexual tension in young men who, from the moment they're like 13, 14, they see their non-Muslim counterparts in open relationships, you know, having boyfriends and girlfriends at a very young age, and they get told, you gotta wait until after you get a career, and then, you know, as they say, and then you have a job, and then you can have a family and they're, they're like why can't I play in the playground you know what I mean like, <laughs> right. I want to play too right and, it, and they're just ready to pop bro like, how many people do we say like yo this guy's literally like the horniest human I've ever met in my life right yeah no I'm being straight, straight up and they disappear like, for like two weeks you don't like, <laughs> get like you, you don't see them for a year and it's like wow poor, poor girl yeah. <laughs> all right Maybe a little too much detail there, but no. But, but like to, to, you. to your point, like yeah, yeah, the yeah. first time I ever like had a physical interaction with a girl, a girl hugged me in seventh grade, yeah. and I bricked up immediately. <laughs> like that's not supposed to happen. No, it it's not supposed it to happen. A hug? Yeah. A hug? I mean, what yeah. does bricked up mean? You know, like locked up. Oh no, no. Was, that's what I was thinking. Oh, no. Bricked think, up. Yeah. Like Let's clarify. Yeah, 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 that's what I meant. That's what I meant. <laughs> That's interesting. That's very interesting. Um, No, no, but that's what he was saying. And then, you know, what was interesting is that the chef said that in that way, non-Muslims are closer to the fitrah than Muslims are, and that we need to change our understanding of what marriage should look like. Agreed. And, dude, something like that is going to take not months or years, that's Mm multi-generation, to convince people that an eighth grader it's okay for him to marry a girl in eighth grade? Oh, Have any of you seen that happen? Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That's going to take a huge shift in mindset because everyone thinks marriage is for once you have a career. Or a certain age. I mentioned this because I love doing this. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this at a, a Hot Topic at a club once. You, you were at a Hot Topic? No, no. As, as a you Hot Topic. Hosting your spot at a Hot Topic. Spike here. You guys yeah. working Hot Topic? <laughs> And, and uh, I said, you know, um, what do you think about marriage happening in high school? I didn't say high school, I said high school. And the brother said that, that he was seriously offended by that notion. He said, well, you're trivializing marriage. What's that? And you're making marriage just about sex. Mm. And you're saying because the brothers can't control themselves, they should marry earlier. Well, let me tell you something. When you have girls, you're going to think different. That's crazy because... Yo, these hijabis on TikTok. <laughs> think about it. No, think about it. There are hijabis on TikTok yeah. doing the same thing the not hijabis are doing. Okay. There are hijabis. And hijabis aside, girls in general have the same carnal instinct that men have. 
Yeah, they want to be seen or and they, they want to be attractive. And it, it, it might not be, and I don't want to speak for women. No, that, no but please do. <laughs> he wants to get you please, in trouble. Please do. <laughs> yeah, he gave me the green, <laughs> the green light, <laughs> so I will. I gave him the card. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, just a quick uh, commercial break. <laughs> Urban okay, Dictionary bricked up. Urban Dictionary bricked up when your penis is fully erect, <laughs> when your pee-pee hard, okay. when the male genitalia says, hey, yo. <laughs> Let's put this in a sentence. You guys want the... Uh, no. Well, I already used it in a sentence. Uh, okay. Man, shit, that's my grandma. So that's that's really hard. Hard. What, what should our bleeper be? Should it be like a quack sound? Like uh, a brick falling? <laughs> it, it just, or like a pop, like a... <laughs> I think just a normal beat. A normal okay. beat is fine. Okay, that's not weird. Um, yeah. Okay. Commercial so, break over. Okay, I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Like people always say, and like I've heard this a lot from the generation up, and maybe people our age believe it too. Um, like you hear a lot when people say, like, "Oh, just boys will be boys. They just can't control themselves like girls can. Mm-hmm. Like girls have those feelings. They just control themselves." I don't necessarily think that's true. That's I think, not true. I think they're just forced to. Think that way. To think that they have to control themselves, and the ones who don't want to do it do just as bad as some of the guys out there. Now it's probably not one to one, but it's not it's not a men issue. Yeah, sex is not a men issue. Yeah, there's a stat related to this by the I think it was the Cameron Youth Institute, it's a Muslim institution for for surveys. And, and, and they found out that by college, this is across the United States, college students that are Muslim. By college, I think the stat was almost 70% of Muslims have tried sex. Weed, alcohol, cigarettes, or some form of illicit drug use. Wait, wait. All of those things were bunched into one? Yes. Yeah, the average was 70. Average or aggregate was 70? One of them. The average. Okay. And then each one has its own stat, obviously, mm-hmm. but then they bunch them together for an average of like 10. And then it's a little bit lower for girls, but it's not that much lower. It was closer to 60. Yeah. Dude, that's a crazy number. Mm-hmm. In my community, maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't see that happening that much. You don't see it. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Is that think maybe about it. it was happening. If 70% of Muslim boys are doing it, who are they doing it with? Other boys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but my point was, you know, if it's, if it's yeah. seven, 7 out of 10 Muslim boys are doing it, you know, it's not far-fetched to think that some of those girls are Muslim girls. Of course, of course. You know? So what's the solution? Uh, I think... That's beyond... That's I don't above think, my favorite. It's above his favorite. I think that's a natural thing for it to happen, and it's good. Like, I'd be like, okay, great. Like, they're into each other. Like, that's a natural thing. I think maybe it's just a, com- it's a conversation, you know? Instead of shying away from it, similar, like, to how, you know, we just have to make space for it, the same way that we make space for, like, you know, cross uh, country, cross country yeah. soccer, whatever it may be. Like we're just making space for these things to exist. And once they exist and they're not uncomfortable to talk about, then it becomes very, very easy to understand. People, there's no timidness around, like you have to tippy-toe. Yeah. As a kid, like I would tippy-toe. Like my dad like would have, try to have conversations with me about women. Yeah. But bro, like I, I grew up in such an environment where like things were like, Close off, even my mom, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like that was actually the main reason why she didn't let me go to uh, public high schools. Mm. And that was like her main concern. Yeah. So, like, right now, like, that's like, it's not, I don't know. Yeah. I just think it, it, it's just a conversation. That's yeah. the way it's all. 
I think these problems are a very normal consequence of the overarching cultural frameworks that we are growing up, we grew up with, like the notion that marriage has to happen way later in life than it could happen. Because it's not Islamic to postpone it. That's not Islamic at all. It's actually preferred. It, it's a, there's hadith like when two people love each other, you get them married. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually yeah. Uh, hasten, right? It's yeah, you should hasten. hasten. Yeah, the, the command is literally, if you're able, to marry. Mm-hmm. That's what the command says. To marry, like there's an encouragement for marriage, and then also the the the, the drug use and the stuff that you do that's like normally shunned in society. We don't talk about it because it's taboo in our culture. You know, how many people want to admit my son's a a drug? Yeah, but they also see every drug as the same. Yes. <laughs> Which is, like, not true. Okay, hashish yeah. is bad in Palestine. Yeah. That's all. They don't have opioids. Yeah. They don't have meth. They don't have fentanyl. They do now. Yeah, they do now. But it's like, you know, back then, it's like, oh, having hashish. This is, don't, don't hang out with this kid. Mm. How with hashish, this and that. It's like that alien, like, alienates something that's, like, the lowest level of drug use. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or one specific image of a drug user. Of a drug user. When, in fact, I'm sure there are people who prayed tarawih here today, in this room, who are addicted to opioids and probably don't even know it. Yeah. For some sort of disease. Or For some sort of pain, pain, pain whatever. management, whatever it may be. And they might not even know it. And that's objectively worse. And we don't teach those kinds. Of, I mean, I didn't learn anything in, in school about drug use. We did dare in elementary school. Dare to say no to drugs. I don't remember doing any sort of drug conversations or even peer pressure conversations at UAF like very distinctly and maybe we did but I don't remember them so it certainly wasn't impactful my stance was always I thought I literally thought weed and meth were on the same level mm-hmm. my entire life and then you know like, they are they're both drugs they're both class one <laughs> class one drugs of the, the US government yeah but um you know like so when your your mom like in a school like you know, your kids on drugs it's like yeah hold on this kid smoked a joint he's not on drugs right mm-hmm. when they say you're on drugs people like assume you're an addict and you're uh, you know you're, you're losing it and and those are conversations like you said i mean it's like instead of it all being taboo let's talk about it let's unpack it and let's get all on the same page about where we are yeah. you know because like helping a kid who smokes weed in high school versus helping a kid who's on Percocet because he was in an accident in, 12, in 11th grade or something. Two different conversations that need to be had. Right. But they both need to be had. Because I also know kids who I went to school with at Simon School who are addicted to Percocet. And like not like they don't know they are. Like they take three, four, seven Percocets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like enough to get you to a point where you can overdose. You know, there are kids in our community who have overdosed. Mm. We don't talk about it. There are kids who went to our school that have overdosed. Overdosed and died? I personally know at least one that has overdosed and died. Muslim kid. Right? There are kids who go to school, like Islamic schools, they're in jail on drug charges, trafficking charges. Wow. I know kids who still sell drugs, Muslim kids. You know what I mean? We're not having these conversations. It's going to continue to happen. It's going to, it's going to fester like in the worst possible way. Because yeah. the opioid epidemic doesn't care if you're Muslim. doesn't care if you pray five times a day. You take an opioid, your brain says, ooh, I like that. You're going to want another one. It's what the drug is made for. Right? Yeah, for sure. And those things... in Michigan, there's a class, Mm -hmm. because there's a large group of Muslims that are addicted on opioids. Mm -hmm. They do a class like that? Mm -hmm. And what's the class consist of? 
uh, trying to get off of it. Okay. Yeah. You, you think about so like a rehab, rehab, yeah. So you think about Narcotics Anonymous, Alcohols Anonymous, mm -hmm. all of those, uh, you know, NA or AA is general, the general classification, right? It's basically a self-help group that you go and they give you like markers every day that you're sober. They give you tools on how to teach, how to deal with it. A lot of times they'll assign you somebody who was an addict but has been sober for a certain amount of time to help guide you through that. Mm -hmm. um, guess where all of those meetings are held? Churches. No. Christian churches. In inner city, like New York, whatever, they have community centers that do it. Mm -hmm. It's always a pastor or a church-going member talking about they hold hands and they're, they're like, they hold hands in the, in the meetings and they'll say, you know, in Jesus' name, amen. Mm. Well, I mean, like, so was, how are you going to, if you're already addicted to drugs and you're now, it's the, I think you should let them, let the people, uh, like, be, like, for example, like, if there's a drug addict, instead of, like, stereotypical like oh stay away from that like we are in like subconsciously pushing our own selves and learning to push our own selves away from these people that you know we think we're better than them or we are so scared of them whatever the reason may be but like those are the people that you want to just continue to include in your like in binary community and that's and, and the you reason can do that in schools I mean there's plenty of like narrations like stories where like there are sahabas that like they would drink i mean islam they, like when the first came out you were still, like, still drink drink, yeah. so there would be sahaba that would come drunk you know to prayer and like it was of irritation to some of the other sahabas you know to the point where one of them said something in front of the one of these sahabas that came drunk and the prophet was there as far as i know so once that happened like the guy was really upset i think it was one of the people like immediately said something the prophet was like was upset like he got tossed out he got red he was like you don't know what's in my heart it's going to be like if he was that upset to the point to say that to that person you know like I don't think there should be like we should react like look at that reaction he says like the actual statement that the prophet said you don't know what's in his heart yeah for he loved the, the Rasul and, and Allah like, you know he has he has that in his heart and like that's just uh an example I think people need to start taking into consideration when they see people doing things that are wrong instead of coming with like a, like you know what I mean yeah. like a bat like just letting people and then see why like just actually have a conversation like remove yourself out of a situation for a second and try to talk to someone about that and see like that's like situations people always deal with that I mean I think people are gonna I deal with that yeah I deal with that I think just just one correction. That was during the administering of the had punishment. So when they were like, no, that's it. Was, oh, the, it the was, setting was different. But it's, okay, it's okay. exactly what you said though. Yeah. And also just to add to that story, there was another story where where uh, a Sahabi. And when you read this, you're like, wow, they did that. Yeah. There was a Sahabi that kissed a prostitute. Mm -hmm. Straight up. Yeah, straight up. And, and then too. <laughs> <laughs> he came to the Prophet and him with with remorse. It was like, Allah, this is what happened. This is what I did. Like, what should I do? Because he wants to cleanse, he has Iman, he wants to cleanse himself of the sin. And then he asked them, he said, do you have a do? They said, no. He said, okay, go, go make a do and come pray Torah with us. <laughs> that was literally it. Yeah. You know, just be, because Al-Hasanat is hidden as Sayyidat, that one good deed wiped the bed. Yeah, and so, and now I just want to, I want you guys to imagine, Muslim kid walks up, 
shit, I committed this. Well, actually, that's a little bit more serious. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little more serious. It's a little different. But something on a similar level. I like red. <laughs> I like red. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like something yeah. like that. You think it would go down the same way? I think Probably. right now, yeah. I don't think it would go down the exact same way. Like, I think they would explain to the kid, like, this is a great thing that you're doing. It's really serious if you go down a path. But I think that, like, especially, like, Sheikh Ahmed. Yeah, like, I was about to say that. If I talk to someone like yeah, that. Yeah, Sultan, um, you know, Sheikh Jadah, all of these guys are, like, they dealt with, they they with thousands yeah. of kids at this point. They know what's up. Yeah. But here's the problem. They're not the ones making the rules. Mm. I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it out right now. My mom works at UAF. Mm. Okay. Uh-oh. A seven-year-old man who's never taught a child should not be on the board of a school. A seven-year-old? Seventy-year-old man who's mm. never dealt with teaching children should not be on the board. Yeah. Yeah. You like can. What you can be. You can yeah. be a board. You can be a board member, not a decision-making one, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a financial one, or like. Yeah. Like I funded this, so I want to have a vote. Yeah. yeah you funded this. You, you funded this, and and this is like something that. Like universities do, for example. Um, what's that guy's name? Something Zimmerman. He's a huge advertising mogul in Orlando. Billionaire. He came to USF and he wanted to start an advertising college, which was, they didn't have one. They had a communications college. You think they told Zimmerman, okay, cool. Give us your money and you can tell us what to do with the Marshall Center? No. You can tell us your input on the Zimmerman College of Advertising. Don't talk to me about education. Mm. Don't talk to me about business. Yeah. Don't talk to me about arts and science. Yeah. Don't talk to me about the Marshall Center. <laughs> don't talk yeah. about anything. Yeah. You want to donate? Great. Doctor So and So from Spring Hill. You want to donate a million dollars? Fantastic. What do you want to put it towards? Mm. Yeah. Instead of instead of like instead of oh my god, here's yeah. three board seats. Yeah. Blanket, blanket check and blanket responsibility. Yeah. Blanket yeah. check and blanket ability to do whatever you want. We need it so bad that, like, once that we take it, well, guess what? We, we don't like, let them kind of take control of it. But we, there's, we like, don't anymore. We don't anymore. I mean, look at look at what what's here. What they did at Aya, and I will say this as a knock on UAA. Uh oh. Okay. Yeah. What they did at Aya <laughs> is like, and, and Abu Aisha, he said this. Like, mm. uh, he said he's the chairman of the board at Aya. He said it at the fundraiser the other day, right before Ramadan. He said every time the school has been in need, there's been a group of people to step up. But what he insinuated there is those people just kind of stay and overstay their welcome. Mm. Did you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So from what it seems like, this is a board that's ready to put the money down and, pass the baton. and get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Let the people who are running the school, Dr. Samah and her entire board and her staff and all of that, run the school. And I don't know the internal politics of UAF. I don't really know the internal politics of AI that well. I have no idea about Bayan, anything, right? But as long as these old guys, a lot of money, are making decisions, we're going to have the same problems that the old guys caused 30 years ago. Mm. Like It's the same board from 30 years ago, and we have the same problems, right? Yeah. So I might get some hate for that. But <laughs> or love, because you're saying the truth. But that, that's, that's like where I see it. It's, it's just a huge issue that's not going to... Like, I'm sorry. I don't think I could do a better job, but I certainly know. Some people my age and younger who could do a better job than some of those guys, right? Yeah, no, I agree with you. And how are we going to address those issues if it's not people our age 
Yeah. When are we going to get involved? When we're 60 and we don't know the problems anymore? And pipe into the podcast. It's outdated. We're going to talk to them. It's outdated. We're always going to be in a position to be outdated because, all right, if I join the board when I'm 45 and my kid's finally at the school, you know, all I know is the problems I have. Yeah. I don't know. My kid's only going to tell me what they want to tell me. Yeah, Very yeah. good point. Well, I think it takes a good leader. Right. right. And, and it needs to be people, maybe our age, because I think you guys are some solid dudes, mashallah. You think you know. But also, <laughs> I think the... The folks that are at that level of uh, Hassan Sultan and Muhammad Affa and all these other dudes at his level, like the 30s age group, mm-hmm. those guys are offered great input. You yeah, know what I mean? absolutely. So I think maybe that age bracket is the sweet spot, and then also us too. Yeah, I think we're like the, the pilots. Supplement. Yeah. <laughs> Any closing thoughts? Um, I think we ran a good maybe hour and a half. Yeah, we did go an hour and a half. Um, I thought it was great. I thought maybe like. I love yeah. to um, I wanted to crack the egg and some sure. other, other stuff, but maybe later. No, you keep going. I'll, I'll, I'll stay for you. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, it would be interesting to go in depth with those certain topics, like, to see, yeah. to see actual podcasts, like, him having conversations with these people, like, yo, like, bring out on the set, like, yeah. it'd be let's interesting. Invite, let's invite Dr. Mukherjee. Let's invite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's like invite. That. The, the founders of the schools. I mean, you talk to Sister Magda. Yeah. You know, that's like, those are those are important conversations to have. Like, invite these people. And I thought it was very interesting. And I will say, you bring it out of us. Yeah. Like, you, you do a very good job of doing that. Alhamdulillah. So I've watched you do it to other people, and I just experienced it myself. Well, that's awesome. Alhamdulillah for, for that happening. But I think that Sister Magda and other folks, it would be, it would be tough for them because they're active members of those institutions. They need to be someone that is not worried about flat. Yeah. So and is influential still. Yeah, and someone that experienced it and knows what's what's happening. So any closing thoughts come up? You guys made some valid points and I think it needs to be addressed by the board members. That's all I gotta say. Board members, that's all I want. <laughs> Alright, let's go ahead and close then.